welcome to episode seven of Linkrod. Today I'm with Ben Atkinson, Adam Webster, and myself, Tim Klumpdor. So today I thought we'd put the forward the theme of is hardware the new software. So the last couple of weeks have been pretty full of product launches from pretty much all the major tech companies. Um, but there's been a particular focus on hardware, with plenty of new devices and peripherals being launched. Apple have always declared that they were a hardware business. They made computers, then iPods, then phones, and now watches. Microsoft and Google, on the other hand, have famously been all about software. They've um, changed significantly um, over the last few years. Microsoft and now Google have graduated to making their own hardware. Both companies traditionally licensed or gave away their software to run on devices made by other, other manufacturers. So why the move from software to hardware? Who wants to kick off? Yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, All right, Ben, let us, let's hear it. Let's hear what I've got to say, my wisdom. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think with companies like the, the success that Apple have had in both like facets of the market where it comes to hardware and software, they've been very, very successful with both. And it probably gives them a little bit of control because they control both the software and the hardware. Whereas Microsoft didn't really have that before because they're, and, and the same with Google with, with Android, which you know, isn't technically Google, but um, they don't own it. So there's a bit of freedom there um, when it comes to hardware and stuff. So it's probably not as much control. So maybe that's, consideration. What about you? You got anything on that? I'm going to mull on it for a bit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose, I suppose, yeah, control's probably a really interesting one. I, I suppose profit's probably the big driver, oh, to be no honest. Doubt. I mean, that's how Apple have amassed this ridiculous kind of war chest of funds sitting in various overseas locations and tax havens. Um, have a few bones. <laughs> but, you know, I suppose that's the thing, you know, they, traditionally they've made, you know, 30 plus percent per device um, as their kind of markup. Um, that's probably even more significant in given, you know, mobile technology. I mean, if you look at the prices now, you know, an iPhone's about $1,000 Australian. Um, at the same time, you can build and buy your own device for, you know, a couple of hundred bucks, uh, maybe even less than that. So in terms of components, it's pretty cheap. I've actually... I have uh, spent a little bit of time, especially with mobiles um, and Android mobiles, because you can't you can't buy. I mean, you can buy an iPhone from China and whatever, but it's pretty dodge. But I and I think a lot of the time, the most expensive ones you would sort of cost, you would buy cost from somewhere like China off Alibaba or one of those mm. sites. Uh, you're looking at between you know a hundred bucks is like a really good one. Thirty bucks is one that would, you could still sell here for about two hundred bucks. So the markup in mobile phones is huge. So obviously it's not the components inside them where the profit is. It's technically the, it is still the software that sits on top. Yeah, it is. And, and with Android, the software is technically free. Well, it's open source, yeah. Yeah, whereas Apple... Yeah, but it, see, the, the, with the software, they're still making tons of money out of the stores. So there's still a 70-30 yep. split when it comes to software de being developed on their thing, which they make essentially 30% to list it on their store. That's insane. I mean, it's not insane. It's the, it's Google did the same thing. It's I not. Mean, it's just what I, it is. I suppose the other thing is just the, the quality of the hardware as well. Um, oh, I mean, I mean, look, there's a difference between buying it off Alibaba for 30 bucks or 100 bucks versus buying it from 
iPhone, which is probably made in a similar factory, but there's probably quality control. Not probably. There is quality control issues and things like that that are a lot more stringent than you would have on, you know, Joe Blow making a phone in a factory in China. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's always been my experience, particularly with Windows PCs, is the build quality never comes up to Apple kind of standards. Um, I remember my sister had a Dell... And one day she was sitting there typing and a key just flew off the keyboard. And I didn't even know that that was a kind of possible thing. But, yeah, it's really hard to type after you've lost your K key because it flew off into the air. So I think that's always been one of the kind of outstanding features, I suppose, for Apple is that, you know, the hardware was usually the best of the best. So it wasn't just the equivalent number of RAM. It would be the best quality RAM as well and the keyboards and the touchpads all that stuff kind of fit into this package which is all engineered and Johnny Ive sitting there with in some kind of white lab uh, with a micrometer measuring everything and making sure that there's as little allowances and working out new ways to create screws that people can't unscrew Um. (laughs) the bane of everyone's existence so it kind of seems like that's quality seems to be a thing. And, and if you look at the new Microsoft devices, it's interesting to kind of compare them to the equivalent kind of HP and Dell stuff. Like they're clearly marketing themselves above that. Yeah, and I think that's fair too. Because if you look at, I used to work in, and I won't say what shop it was, but I used to work in a computer retailer in Australia. And you'd have Apple products, you'd, you'd had very little markup. So it's almost like the retailer would get it for, say, it's a $1,700 a $1, computer, the retailer may get it for $1,600. So there's a $100 leeway, which isn't... In terms of products, that's not great. Whereas you can get a PC, like a... Not a Dell, because they're usually over internet only or whatever. You couldn't just buy those from the shelf. But you'd say something like a Compaq, which is probably a lower-end brand, Compaq, and I don't even know if they're still around, but Acer and Compaq are pretty low down, and they might have five or $600 of profit in them mm. on the shelf. So, um, And I, I think that sort of tells you that you know, these companies are not, not in it, they just you know spew products out, but yeah. better quality machines are your Apple, and they, there's just not much market for retailers, I suppose, mm. when it comes to those sorts of products. Um, but again, with Microsoft, they're, they're looking at their new stuff, and without touching the new laptops, I've, I've used a lot of the, you know, their older stuff and things like the Surface Pro, and they're actually they're really good quality. Yeah. So you, that's why you're paying fifteen hundred dollars for a you know eleven inch Surface Pro uh, mm. three or four, whatever we're up to five, might be five, whatever it is. Um, so it's quality. It is definitely quality. But when we, it, it's hard to compare a Mac to a you know, an Acer. We're better off comparing, yeah, a Microsoft laptop to a, an Apple, a, a, a MacBook Pro laptop because they're more like for like. Yeah. Those cheaper brands are, are kind of cheaper and they're made on the cheap and they're, they're nowhere near as good. So, yeah, that's my two bobs worth. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Ben there. I've noticed too, um, since I jumped ship from Apple, um, on what Tim said with the quality... Um, it never seemed to be there but lately it seems like a lot of different companies are trying to put out that more polished product in either phones or their laptops or their um, their tablets um, I own a, a Surface Pro and uh, I've noticed that the quality and that's much much better than 
the well, I mean, small. even looking at, I mean, Google released their Pixel phones, and they're clearly they're they're priced at the same amount as an iPhone, so they're clearly not even bothering with the low end Android no. thing. It's they're going straight for the the, the, the top echelons. And would you expect any different? It's Google. Google don't stuff around. I think, yeah, but even Samsung's um, latest offerings, they're pretty expensive as well. Whereas I always thought they were a more budget. Yeah, I, think, I, mean, I, I mean, my kind of only real foray with um, Google kind of branded things was, uh, like, I think, a Nexus 5 phone. And, you know, it was half the price of an, an Apple phone, and it was technically branded by Google, but I think it was made by Motorola or... I think LG. LG. I'm not 100% sure, but I think... But in terms of, like, but at the same time, in terms of build quality, it was pretty good. It wasn't... Like, it was you know, middle of the range kind of thing. It wasn't the cheapest phone you could buy, but it certainly wasn't the most expensive. And I actually thought that, you know, that that's kind of, isn't that what Google offers more often than not, is just value for money? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I the think shift to the premium is is a fairly new thing. I've noticed that in a lot of um, tech companies with different products where um, they see one person's charging this much, so then they've all got to charge the same because they know that people are, are buying that other product. And well, I think it's like one of those famous things like about Bang & Olufsen, the, the stereo company, the Danish designer kind of company, but essentially they were very little heard of until they actually raised their prices. <laughs> And they didn't necessarily change their product line. They just changed the price point, and all of a sudden, people bought them because they assumed that they were better quality and of, you know, better design standard. Um, but it was the price point that changed, not the actual functionality of the product. I also think we've probably hit a plateau when it comes to mobile phones. Like we've we've had such. It's been a pretty not a rocky road, but it's been up and down sort of road with the last what seven or eight years, it might even be 10 years of smartphones, that it's now a market that's, it's not a test market anymore, it's a solid industry. You can bank whole businesses on this mobile phone, smartphone industry. So I think that's probably why a lot of the companies are saying, well, let's invest heavily in them and let's bring some really good products and change our price points because the cheap market, people buy good mobile phones now. They may be 15 years or whatever, 10 years ago, five years ago, you'd try and get a smartphone on the cheap if you could, but... I suppose with the success of iPhone, they know people are going to spend good money on them, so let's make good devices. Unfortunately, the uh, Windows device hasn't... But the devices are all right. The software is just not great and, and it's annoying to use. So I, suppose, I suppose that's the kind of next thing, is this idea of vertical integration. Is that just a better way of doing things? So, I mean, the, the idea with vertical integration is that you've, you kind of capture the entire kind of line of a product. So, you know, in terms of Apple, they kind of source and build their own components. They run the factories that build them, then they run the software that sits on top of them, then all the services that sit on top of that. So they basically own end-to-end, and and they even own the stores where you go and buy them. So they own the entire kind of production line. And I wonder if that's just a better way to go, if that's, you know, linking software and hardware at that, you know, company level means that you're getting better integration, you're actually designing software for the hardware. I think that's always kind of been a... You know, an issue, I guess, with Windows in particular, where yeah, you could, they keep changing the architecture and improving each version of Windows, but not with necessarily the kind of hardware keeping up to date. So quite often, what you'll find is you know the latest version of Windows sitting on a device that's so underpowered it can't do it. And it, I mean, Microsoft themselves did it with this, the very first kind of Surface RT, where they 
it wasn't even proper Windows, it was Windows Lite. But even that, it struggled. Like the hardware didn't talk to the software. And I think that was the same with HP. Um, I can't remember what the devices were, but when they first started to get into producing smartphones and tablets, like it was a three-month experiment, I think, literally. They did it. The hardware people never talked to the software people and it just was a dog's breakfast. And so they shut the whole thing down. I definitely think the way that Apple deal with the, the control, of, not control, but having you, you, all the software is done for the phone. And I think that that tends to work better. So the phone works better. Mm. It, it even going from app to app feels better. Um, or not? That's my opinion. That's not the general consensus of the world. Um, but I think when you use an iPhone, when you use an Android, sometimes it feels a little bit clunky. And because it, I don't, I don't know, because they're just different. I don't know, not produced for the device, I suppose. It's sort of yeah. like it's just a, well, an a operating mismatch. system that can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with with the iPhone, it does feel like. Mm. Um, it, it's it's all done in one place, whereas yeah, some of the other phones feel like they've done in different universes. Not my Note three, I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh look, not Samsung. Exploding, no. Yeah, Samsung do it quite well. <laughs> they really do. It's an old old phone now by it's, standards. It's still so, a very good phone. Though. I suppose on that kind of note, like the idea of you know vertical integration often means this idea of it's either a unified experience, which is probably how Apple would like to voice it, where versus actual lock in so that you're locked into that vendor because you use the device, the software, the services, and you can't port that over. And so I suppose, you know, where do, where do we actually draw the line in that experience? I think consu- consumers basically dictate what happens there because you look at phones like BlackBerry and stuff where it's their system was really shut down and HTC, before Android became popular, had their own. So either their own or they're on someone else's and it was really terrible mm. and so consumers have said we want you know whatever and they so they follow suit but yeah I don't know didn't really help with that one <laughs> <laughs> well suppose you, you've swapped Adam from kind of Apple and Ed, yeah. on to Android how was that experience did you actually feel locked in or was it a liberating thing and, and at the same time I suppose can you go backwards once you've in the Android world can you go back to iOS yeah, I, my main beef, I think, uh, in the end was iTunes. I just felt locked in and constricted by the whole thing. Um, and then I tried a, a Samsung Note 3 and liked that, so that's when I, I jumped ship. It was a gradual change. I liked the fact that I could just plug in the phone to the computer and transfer files across without having to open up a, a piece of software like, say, iTunes. Um, I've still got an iPad at home, so I'm still in the, the Apple world. I use a MacBook Pro. I've got an iMac as well, um, but I've, at the same time I've got a, a Windows uh, notebook and I've got the Surface Pro, so I sort of, in my working life, I, I use Apple solely and then go home and use both, so it's we, all liberating. <laughs> we did touch on it in the first episode, when we, the first, yeah, first episode, when we talked about, um, you were talking about if iPhone's getting boring, yeah. and we are saying, well, they're consistent, so... With a with an Android, you can root it. You can do heaps of different things. You can have so much control over it. Whereas the only way you can do that with an iPhone is a jailbreak, which is against the terms and conditions of the yeah. iPhone itself. So, I think that's the beauty of an iPhone is that because it's all connected and interwoven, interwoven, it's really really easy for people who don't have a tech brand, tech, mm. tech background to use and, and to not wreck anything and not to break anything and stuff like that. Um, Whereas well, that's why I bought the iPhone in the first place. It, it 
did everything, it did everything well, it was easy to use and I didn't need anything more but then years down the track I just wanted to do different things and... You also have a background in IT, so yeah. you, you sort of got that that knowledge that other people. Well, I think it reduces a fear factor down when you haven't when you have a when you're really savvy with IT. It reduces that fear factor. Yeah. You're not scared about breaking things, which means you can basically use whatever That's you want. Right. I, I've done both. I, I was on iPhone. Yeah. I went to Android and I went back to iPhone. And it wasn't because I stopped liking Android. I actually, to be honest with you, I like Android more than I like the mm. the the iOS brand. Um, but just because of the freedom, the freedom you get. So I suppose, I mean, that, that's kind of the dilemma I'm facing at the moment with that, the new MacBooks, I guess, is that I'm I'm not necessarily, I don't think that I'm locked into to Apple services and software, but um, the, the hardware is, you know, that's, that's actually kind of, you know, with Microsoft releasing these newer computers, we're kind of on par now. I think to me it actually comes down to the operating system and what you can actually do and what you can't and that, that kind of functionality. It's not about applications anymore. It's I don't feel tied in that what I do on an Apple, I can only do on an Apple because of the applications. I actually think most things are cross-platform now. But what you can do in the OS is actually quite different and that's the, the lock-in for me is I actually prefer Mac OS to Windows in all kind of sorts of things. Um, so that's that's kind of how I feel. Um, ben Thompson, who runs our website Stratechery, which is slightly hard mouthful to say. Stratechery. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but he he kind of made a point about like the when the um, this, this kind of new devices coming out, particularly when he was talking about the Surface Studio that Microsoft kind of did, which was the big screen. It's amazing. It moves up and down, it's touch screen, it does all these kinds of things. But kind of made the comment that all PCs now are really niche devices because for most people, particularly outside of the US, a smartphone is all they need to do pretty much everything they need to do. And I actually thought that was quite an interesting comment because... To me, that is actually what's kind of happened, is that for most people, everything they need to do, they can do on their phone. It's probably why the iPad's so successful. Well, <laughs> and, and it kind of, it's kind of interesting, because to me, it actually looks at, if you look at the prices that the new entrants in terms of the hardware market are doing, they're not, I mean, you know, the Microsoft Studio is, it starts at more than $3,000. Mm. That's a niche product. That's not going mainstream in any way, shape, or form. No. The new Surface Book starts at two thousand six hundred dollars here in Australia. That's and goes up to like four and a half thousand dollars if you yeah. max out max out the specs. That's a niche product, and so I kind of wonder: is is like yes, there's there's obviously a markup in there. Like you know, I'm I'm assuming that there's at least thirty percent markup on the hardware for these companies going into this. But I, and I'm kind of just wondering, like, is it because smartphones have technically tapped out, and but there is this niche of rich white people willing to spend money, or just rich people in general? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, the people that buy this stuff is, are going to be centered around the states, Europe, maybe just well, Oceania or whatever, whatever we want to call ourselves. But you know, it's not like this is a mass consumer device. Is it that they've noticed, okay, people are willing to spend this much on their mobile devices, why aren't they spending more money on a, on a, um, on a computer device? Because, you know, when you, bought a, when you bought an expensive phone beforehand, say a Motorola 
thin screen thing. I think that was still like five hundred bucks, right? Mm. We're now paying. What would we say the Pixel was? What fourteen hundred? Was it fourteen nine nine? That's for the plus. Oh, that's for the all, big one. Yeah, they're all around a thousand dollars now. Yeah, so, and you and you won't buy a smartphone. You won't buy a good quality smartphone for less than that. So maybe it's they're spending this much on tech devices. Let's try and see what they're going to spend on those because it may they may run it for a year and go. No one's buying these. These really are niche, and we're not selling any. Let's move on. But or is it just that that's what PCs are? They're all niche things now, and. I mean, the, the other thing that was interesting, I mean, like, I think, I don't know how it works in the rest of the world, but I'm pretty sure that if you order an Apple product, like a, a new MacBook or something like that, it actually ships directly from China. Like, there's no middleman anymore. The warehouse is basically where the manufacturer is. So you can say, right, I want to spec this up and I want 32 gig of RAM and I want this hard drive. In the, the factory then literally screws it together puts it into a box, sends it down the line, and then they dispatch it to you. And so all of a sudden you can do niche things because you don't actually have to have warehouses of pre-configured devices, you know, and guessing what are people going to order. Yeah. I don't know. You got anything? I just thought it was the Apple effect at play again with um, them charging crazy prices for their hardware so every other company has to follow suit and... It's, to me, I was actually quite shocked that literally there's the prices that everyone's kind of jumped to. And I don't know if it's just inflation and get used to it, but <laughs> I don't know. There was a point where like really good hardware was about 1500 bucks, And yes, you could. there was another tier above that. But in, as term, in terms of the, the majority of what most people would want, you know, a fairly middle-of-the-range spec device, it was 1500 bucks. You can't even do that now. Like... The, the, the gaming machines were always really expensive, but these ma- these machines aren't gaming machines. They're just normal machines. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the, the MacBook Pro 15 in, in particular is a pretty hefty device. Like, you've got a quad-core GPU. It, it, it's that's not like that's fairly hefty, kind of. You know, that's a that's a pretty supreme kind of level of that's. You, I don't know. But I reckon if you went into most people's houses and you looked at, even, say, going five years ago and they had a, the iMac, sorry, the a MacBook Pro at the time, running a, you know, an i5, an i5. Yeah, I suppose that, that's I the thing, though, but most people weren't having a Mac. They didn't have a MacBook Pro because there was a MacBook Air. Oh, well, and that, a that, MacBook that's Air. been their biggest selling device. It's an i5. They're i5s as well, aren't they? Yeah, but it's still not spec'd out. Yeah, but i5 is still... More than an i3 is enough for the normal everyday person, like my wife who uses Facebook, and that's her um, that's all she's doing, really. Mm. All she needs is an iPad. Mm. Um, but I don't know, we always want what everyone else has got, <laughs> it's a bit of the thing. You yeah. know, he's got one, I want one. So, I suppose, yeah, I mean, that's kind of an interesting kind of thing. And I, I suppose, it, though, it's like, well, why, why don't we just use our phones? Do we actually need computers? I mean, I've kind of been reassessing, like, what is it that I would use? So I suppose my work computer is a MacBook Pro, and I use it for work extensively. I need the MacBook Pro because of the digital work that I do. Um, At home, I've got a MacBook Air, and that's the kind of upgrade device. It's kind of the family computer. My wife and I share it. We kind of just do browsing and some basic kind of, you know, photo editing, maybe that's about it. And I've kind of been wondering, like, well, do we not bother getting another laptop and swap it out and get a, you know, an iPad? Is an iPad enough? 
Because I suppose we both like the bigger form factor. You don't want to sit there squinting at a phone the whole time. Yeah, I use my phone predominantly when I'm at home, but the, the iMac's basically an internet terminal in the house um, for or right. otherwise a bit of video editing here and there, Photoshop. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it on an iPad. I did too much development stuff, and it just wouldn't, just wouldn't work. I suppose, the, I suppose you've got a niche. I, I am the niche. I really is am. A, I'm a niche. A, you, know. you can't make you know whatever we do different things on on an iPad. But for my that's wife, the same for video editing with yeah, me at home too. But you can't do other yeah. than you can do little bits, but nothing major no. on an iPad. Uh, whereas for my wife, it'd be. Have you tried it though? Well, using you. using that thing on uh, the. Not After Effects, a Premiere version on the iPads. Yeah. It's pretty tough. And, uh, it's cool. It is a cool feature. Yeah, no, maybe it's pretty good, but not for, like, just heavy stuff. But, yeah, so I, my wife would do it easy. Wouldn't, wouldn't make any difference to her. She she does. She does now. She use, she's she got an, a MacBook Pro too, um, but she, she's used, if the iPad's there, she'll just use the iPad. So, I, swear, I mean, I, I'm kind of thinking, I've always thought that the, the, the evolution of technology is going to the point where we have dumb screens and smart devices with the idea of basically we'll have a bunch of screens at work and at home and we carry around the computer and we just literally link the two together. That The screen has no computer, like it might be touch enabled or something like that, but literally you just connect your, you sit your phone next to it and it connects to the screen and now it acts as a display for that purpose. Well, it's, it's and funny. I'm kind of wondering if that's that's where we're headed, or, and we're just kind of in the process of doing that. We're getting to the point where mobile processors are fast enough, but not quite there yet, and probably the software isn't quite there yet. I suppose as a concept, you prob- that's probably what's going to happen. You look at the gaming industry, for instance, and we look at this, and I don't think we talked about it last episode. We were going to, but we didn't. We ran out of time. But we look at the, the Nintendo Switch, the new Nintendo device, and it's sort of like that. It's... The, the whole thing is just a screen Look, or just looks like a screen and then you attach the bits you need to it modular yeah and then away you go so you know the gaming's usually they do a lot of crazy things and then it gets brought into mainstream with other things it happens a lot so maybe that's maybe you're onto something maybe it's you, you have one device you then stick it on a, a, a pad which brings it under the screen and then you've got a, a keyboard that attaches to it so I suppose what, I mean so we're kind of thinking that you know Obviously, money, profit is a driver for the switch to hardware. Quality is probably one as well, where you know they can actually deliver on what their promises and what the marketing material is. I suppose the user experience of that vertically integrated thing is is better. I mean, when everything when all the cogs fit, like you know, I suppose that's the the plus of the Apple ecosystem is that things just fit together. You buy here, you use your single account across everything, um, you know, all the little bits, iCloud syncs things, does bits and pieces. One username, one password. Um, So that's a better user experience. And and I suppose we kind of, we are seeing the shift away from PCs being the dominant bit of kit to something where it is a a niche and Mm. yeah. It's it's funny you look at the advertising too, and I don't know if this is relevant, is this not not relevant or whatever. But you look at a lot of the old devices are used like famous people, like David Beckham used to do the same. That's why I got a Samsung. He did all, a lot of advertising for the for the, the <laughs> galaxies and stuff like that, and and like Justin Long did it for the Max years ago. Whereas now it's just all about the devices. If you've watched the advertising for the i the the, the new Microsoft 
uh, thing, if you did look at the advertising for the new uh, MacBook Pros or whatever they're called, it's all about the device. Mm. So I think it is exciting. We were talking the first episode about being, the last time we were excited about a tech device. When I saw that Microsoft, the Microsoft's new launch, you I, ran across the room. I, did, I ran across the room and grabbed down and said, you've got to look at this. this. I actually sent an email out to all the guys we work with and said, look at this. Like, it really got me pumped, got me amped. We were just holding each other with tears oh, in our eyes. Hugging and, and it, was just yeah, a, yeah. it was an emotional time, really. So like, well, that Apple product's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose to kind of sum up this episode then, I mean, hardware is technically bringing sexy back. I, I, yeah. I would definitely agree with that, 100%. I think they make the... They're, Yeah, it's really cool. I'm excited about it. So how about we kind of end the episode there, but I thought we could geek out a little bit and we can add it as bonus material to the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought we could just go through the stuff that Google's done, the Microsoft and Apple and and Nintendo, and kind of just have a quick chat about what we think just... Yeah, okay. Because we haven't done it. We, We kind of promised ourselves we would do a little bit, but we didn't. Let's start with the Nintendo Switch. I love Nintendo. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. It is. It is. This is. This is a game changer. N- Nintendo aren't known for being game changing. Not recently, anyway. But this is a well, legitimate. I mean, well, hey, oh, the Wii you the, had the screen and stuff. But this is a Wii legitimate. You, the Wii. I mean, that was a game changer. Well, that, that fully brought in an entire did, generation of people to gaming yeah, that uh, were getting uh, left behind by these pro devices of PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah, you're probably right there. And then and then Connect came and did it better and I think PlayStation had one? What was this called? I don't think I think they're flops in comparison. Yeah, I, yeah, but, yeah. I don't think they did it. I think even the Wii was, I reckon, they, their systems were better. They may have not been adopted as much. But how how off, how much realistically did you play your Wii? Um, look the, I think the thing with, with me was like I've always considered that video games are a social thing. And that's been the context of like when I was a kid, I had my little brother there with me, and then I had mates over and we would play. And that the so, philosophizer. So I never kind of got into solo games. Like I, I struggled to maintain interest in anything that was like a solo adventure, like first-person shooters and all that kind of stuff. The only time they were good was when you had a LAN or something like that. And but on my own, no, I couldn't sustain it. So to me, gaming's always been a social thing, and I suppose that was the problem I always had with Xbox and PlayStation was that they weren't made for anything social. And even now, I mean, my our local internet connections aren't fantastic, so you just can't play online. It's possible now with the Playstations, but it's not quite there yet. Um, but I suppose so, so. The Wii was always that, but. I suppose I'd grown up <laughs> and yeah. so I didn't have a huge um, network of, of friends uh, you know that were freely available to come around and play video games anymore you know when you're a grown man that doesn't become a that's not a really enticing thing where someone comes right I'm over let's let's play video so I did play quite a bit of Wii to begin with a lot of that social stuff and a lot of it with people that would never play a video game like lots with kids and older people. Bowling was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Played at Nash with my wife. Yeah, everyone loved the bowling. But I, well, looking at the the, um, the so, so, so the switch is bringing that bit. Yeah, back. it's got that whole. You I mean, it's the point where they said where they've got. Yeah, you just you can hand over. You've got two little controllers on there, and then you can you can click them on the device, and it's one, or you can click them off and hand it to another person, yeah. and you can actually have two player game 
in any situation because the whole device is portable. I just wish they'd release it earlier. I can't handle this. March next year, come March. on. March. It's so <laughs> far away. I read today that they've stopped production of the Wii U, so they're changing the factory over to start producing the Switch. Well, why wouldn't they have made it for Christmas? Wouldn't that be the smart option? Well, they're probably making them for Christmas, but... Um, yeah, three months. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if everyone. I, I mean, do, does Nintendo still do? Like, I mean, games traditionally kind of were in much more kind of location based. So you know, stuff got released in Japan months before it got released anywhere else. We're always pretty lucky though, being being here because we, we we normally get released before the US, don't we? Or with games, it's usually a couple of days or a day before the US. No, historically, it's always been US first and then Australia last with Nintendo consoles anyway. Uh, so I'm kind of wondering okay. if, if they, they could technically hit a, a Christmas deadline for, for Japan, but the rest of the world's kept waiting. Well, yeah, but now today it's kind of changed, though. I think it's more a They've universal... They've got such a global market Yeah, now. it's a universal release now, I think, for consoles. I can't remember or a few weeks maybe yeah. out. Yeah. But not three months. Not months like yeah, it used to be, yeah. yeah. But I suppose, that's, I mean, uh, yeah, the demand is there. I'm pretty excited, though. I think, I mean, like, I, yeah, it, I was actually quite excited by it. Like, going back to our first episode saying how underwhelming most technology is, when I saw the, that video, I'm like, oh, this is someone's thought about the kind of gaming that I would like to do. Like, I like the idea of, go into a park or go into a pub and if you've got a mate there with this thing it's like right let's play four, two player four player we can do that That that's awesome probably hits the mark for the, for your type of gaming I mean it might be different for me and Adam yeah. we're, we're probably different gamers to you are, to, to yeah you I was are. an only child well <laughs> I had three brothers but I, I mean two brothers not three brothers two brothers but um, it always seemed like three though wouldn't it? yeah so I was always on Honda <laughs> yeah um but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still excited about this console. I think it'll be cool. It's like the idea that you can pick it up and. Look. I think is that, uh, to me that is a, a huge game changer. Is that the fact of leveraging kind of mobile technology, but for kind of a bit more, slightly more serious gaming. I mean, Candy Crush <laughs> doesn't need, you know, it, it doesn't need a console to play it. Um, but you know. When you think about PlayStation 4, Xbox, you basically need your big screen TV and you got to, you sit in your living room and play it. Yeah. But somewhere kind of taking the, the mobility of being able to take your game platform somewhere that still has decent graphics, still works properly, and it's not a cut-down experience because it does, it lacks controls or something, which is kind of what mobile does. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge thing of being able to actually like go to a pub and play a game what? What? and not sit in your... On your lonesome. They did do the PS Vita for... Well, that's what I was going to say, too. You don't have to buy a secondary device. No, now. and that was... They're like three... They were at the time when I bought it, 300 bucks. So you pay 600 bucks for the... Or whatever we paid when they first came out, the, the PS4. And then two or 300 bucks for the, the Vita. And the Vita's useless. It is the biggest it's piece It's the of only crap. console that I haven't bought. And I bought, oh, I think, every one. <laughs> it's useless. It just... I never use it. The games for it are really limited. They didn't... If they released all the sports titles on it, at least, it might be all right. But they're like, oh, you can stream your device through it. So you can do that, but the you've got less buttons. Yeah, I was going to say, so how does that work? You've, so got, you've got R1 and, and L1, but then R2 and L2 is on the back somewhere, and then the L, somewhere. L3... Well, there's like a touch thing on the back. Yeah, you can never right. touch it. So it's just... It's near impossible to use. So I never... I literally never use it. I bought it, and I've, I've probably used it... Oh, 
50 times in three, two years or whatever. So I'm just hoping it's not like that. I'm hoping it's and, – and it looks like it's all the same controls, so it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So Google, they brought out their kind of VR helmets, um, their little home networking Wi-Fi thing and the Pixel phones. Anything in there that interests anybody? With the VR thing, I was actually talking to a friend, and I don't know if this is the Samsung one, because I was like, I think they're stupid. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, you can you can watch Netflix on, on it. And I've never done this, because I don't have one. I've only test run and I just wasn't that, pop, wasn't that keen on it. But you can watch Netflix on it. And he said, it means you can lay, literally lay in bed, head up and just relax, kick back and watch Netflix. He said, it's actually really cool for that. And I know that's not a VR experience. It's just, that's more of a convenient well, That's one of the thing. reasons why I'm vaguely interested in it now. Yeah. But it's still, it is still, like, I mean, like, and it's not much to it. Like, it's literally just the, 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 the like, fabric sleeve to stick your phone, stuff your phone into it. Yeah. There's not much, much at all to it. Oh, there's a controller. I think. Yeah, and it's different coloured sleeves. Well, no, not not at the beginning though. It's oh. only charcoal grey at the first. One flower. It's like these horrible colours. So then, and then, yeah. I mean, look at the other stuff. The, the Pixel phones. Look, it's kind of funny. I, like the, all the being an Apple person, being an iPhone person, and being in tech, you get exposed to the kind of Apple haters and the kind <laughs> of stream of. Oh, well, the iPhone doesn't have this and the iPhone doesn't have that. And I just thought it was ridiculously funny that the Pixel phones launched without being waterproof and without having a whole bunch of things that people have been lamenting that every other Android phone has had for ages, but then still being the same price as an iPhone. I, I thought that was an odd, odd thing. It doesn't worry me. Like I, I think if you're an idiot and you take your phone, I mean, it's all these... You know, eighteen-year-old girls who go to the pub and go to do go to the toilet and they drop it in the toilet and they're like, yeah, "You're an idiot! Like, don't let your phone get wet." <laughs> How hard is it? They don't like water. I don't know, but it's been it's one of those things. It's like it, I don't quite see why it's a big deal, but you know, Android people have been saying, "Oh, but Samsung's had this for this," and, and it's I suppose hard. it's probably because it's the closest thing. You can't. It's it's hard to compare a uh, an iPhone to a, you know anything else because it's not an iPhone. So maybe that's the closest comparison, but. Yeah. I don't. I reckon that I. I like the pixels. I never used one. I've only read the reviews and then sort of uh, seen videos and all that sort of stuff. I've never actually used one, but I reckon they're pretty cool. Yeah. Look at. Uh, look, the, phone, the phone's really fine. I, I'm a little bit creeped out about do, the Google kind of having access to all this data about you, <laughs> and kind of this whole like Google now kind of freaked me out. The idea of oh, you just give Google access to your calendar and all your contacts and all the people that call you and message you and then we'll be able to build a profile and recommend you know where you should go next or what you should do and I thought that was weird they're basically saying oh and we've upped the ante on that now we're going to run through not just that data and collect it but now we're going to run it through an AI and who knows what 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 might come out of that but I thought that was slightly creepy yeah I don't don't like the idea of when I go shopping actually this, is, this happened the other day, and I don't know if I've talked about this. Me and Ashley were talking about, uh, oh, St. Louis, um, oh, not St. Louis, and they're called the LA Rams, LA Rams football team. We were talking about it because she got me some hats, because I wear hats all the time. She, she got me, so she was looking at hats, and I said to her, oh, I would have really liked a, a, a LA Rams hat. She's like, oh, I, 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 I sort of didn't, I couldn't remember all the teams, so I just got you that and that. I'm like, that's fine. So we were talking about it. Phones within earshot, obviously talking about it, didn't search it, didn't Google it, didn't do anything. The next day I go onto Facebook 
And you know how they have that, oh, was it Facebook or Twitter? No, Facebook. You know how those advertising feeds? Yeah. Full of LA Rams stuff. Freaked the crap out of me. So, look, I don't know if it was pure, pure coincidence because I hadn't searched them. On the actual computer, I hadn't searched them, nor had she because she didn't know what they were because I asked her afterwards. I said, did you actually search them? She's like, no. So no one searched them physically. We talked about it. So that, I don't know. That's... Dun-dun-dun. Well, it was a dun-dun-dun moment for me. So I'm like, are they listening too? Like, who knows? Yeah. But that Um, also annoys me when you search something and then it comes up for weeks... Yeah, particularly after you've bought it. It's like, I've yes, searched, yeah, I've done and I now. found the thing, and then yeah. I bought it. And it's like, yeah, you, you don't seem to understand. I've done the transaction. <laughs> I don't need to know anything more about it. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. Um, then Microsoft. There was the Surface Studio. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, like the, the jog controller, the idea of bringing in a new little... The nipple tweaker. Just, for we're, we're for the, the podcast listeners, now. they are making strange turning <laughs> actions. That's what you do with it. You turn it. Um, yeah, it's like, um, what is it? Like Donald Trump's nipple pinch thing that he does <laughs> if you see so any of his speech. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that they've introduced a new kind of user interface element after quite a long while of just having the same basic things. Looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking, like, uh, maybe uh, it could be used for other things down the track, for other pieces of software, like if you're a DJ or music production. Or video, know. video as video, well. Video, yeah. Yeah, the jog wheel on the screen. Yeah, that'd be sick. And is that, sick. Is it that much different, I guess, from the touch thing that Mac's brought out in the MacBook Pro? That, it's, I mean, it's a touch interface. Yeah. Probably not a great deal different, but it's just played yeah, I've never yeah. used a, a tablet um, for... <laughs> doing any Photoshop work or anything, so... Do you know what it reminds me of? <laughs> this is completely separate. You know when you're cleaning a fish tank? Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> reminds those me, yeah, yeah, It reminds me of that. Yeah, look, it, it, it was interesting. I mean, like, uh, the whole kind of focus on art was quite interesting mm. because pretty much everyone I know can't draw. And so... Yeah, it'd be useless for me. Like, you know, I can, I can see, you know, you, you get the, the glossy video of, you know, these artists putting together this fantastic work and then I'd get it and my stick figures would look fucking amazing. They would look the best they could <laughs> But be. apart from that, it'd be pretty limited. I spoke to an artist friend who's just got a um, his first tablet for drawing and painting on the computer and I sent him the, the Surface uh, video and he loved it, but then you know, when he saw the price, he's like, "No way!" So even for him, like, mm. just wasn't. I've never really seen a value in touchscreen computers, to be honest. With you. I'm sure that that'll be a bit of a divisive um, statement, but I, I just don't. I don't. I never use. I've got a Lenovo now, which is a touchscreen. I never use it. The Yoga never use touchscreen. After using though the the tablet and your phones now, though, I sometimes would like to just be able to touch the screen. See, that's why I got one. I thought I'll use it heaps. Yeah, but you don't. Never. Uh, And the 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 idea, the reason why I like the Surface Pros is because they're small. They're literally eleven inches. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I quite liked the design, like with the arm, that kind of makes you almost be able to fold it down into flat position, and being able to interact with the screen that way. I'm assuming, you know, with the stylus and stuff, that could be quite cool. Um, although, I don't think that's a particularly new thing. I remember looking at some Lenovo's last year that had a similar yeah, they do. kind of interface. And I thought, yeah, that, that's when I thought, oh, that would be a really interesting idea to think of screen as paper on your desk kind of interaction. But, yeah, look, they've brought it out in a sleeker, fancier 
thing, but uh, yeah. I, I know I got excited about it, as we said earlier. Yeah. But you get excited about a lot of stuff though, and then it dies down afterwards. <laughs> Has anyone played No Man's Sky? <laughs> oh, it's so boring. Uh, I'm sick of walking around looking for parts. <laughs> um, but it's not something I'd ever get. Like I, I love the look of it. I love the concept. It looks cool, but I hate desktop computers. I've got I've got an iMac. No, I'm, yeah, an iMac. Never use it. I've had it for probably four years, and I never use. I've used it probably. No, I'm not going to say how many times because I've probably used it a little bit, but I, compared to my laptop, next to nothing. So what I've got is I've got a monitor now that I hook my laptop in, and that's all I use now. Yeah. I don't, just, and that's if I want to go, if I want a quiet space to get away from the kids, get away from my wife, and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> shut up you, and work, <laughs> I'll do that. But if not, you can still take it down because I can't take my desktop to wherever with me, to the library or whatever, just under my arm and throw it on a yeah. desk. So I just don't see any value in desktop computers, unless it is for the home user. If it's a business, then obviously, like at work, I have a desktop, and I use it every day. Yeah. So I just, I, for the home user, that's not going to so be the, good. Yeah, the only other thing that kind of, I suppose, piqued interest in the Microsoft thing was that there was quite a lot of stuff about 3D, which I thought was quite weird, mainly because it was kind of half-baked and half-cocked. But, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of odd, and maybe it's just showing, I don't know, the suppose to me it was a bit kind of, this is our new big thing and everyone needs a bit flash, something a bit flashy. But I, I don't know, I mean, paint in 3D doesn't mean much to me. I like 3D. <laughs> I'm not a big fan. <laughs> not you. So yeah. just lastly, we had Apple, and I suppose because we didn't really talk about iPhones getting launched at any point previously, I don't think. Oh, we haven't either, the 7s. Um, and we did have the new, the Macs launched as well. But yeah. I think, I mean, uh, the losing of the headphone jack seemed to be the biggest thing about the iPhone 7. Other than that, it was incremental upgrades. Um, I think we've discussed losing of things before. When we talked about the losing of the disk drive and how it was the end of the world when that happened. I think at the same time, the the new MacBook Pros did lose everything. Yeah, that annoys me. I think they might have retained a um, headphone jack. Why? <laughs> so, but, so, what were your but, thoughts on that then? Um, look, to me, my initial thoughts are that it's it, they've actually just released the least usable MacBook Pro ever. Wow. Because there oh. is no external display built into it. There's, like, there's no HDMI. They got rid of HDMI. They got rid of SD cards. They got rid of USB ports and replaced it with four Thunderbolt 3 slash USB-C ports, which... I don't get that. Well, look, uh, that was my initial thing. Uh, since then, I've kind of like been mulling it over. And look, I think the reality is I don't actually plug much into my MacBook. Uh, I have a MacBook with a retina screen. The retina screen is bigger than the large monitor that I've got at work. I don't actually use the large monitor because retina beats size any day. Mm. Like the crispness that you can get out of that monitor, everything else on that just looks dirty. Um, and also... In terms of work, I don't get headaches or eye strain or anything anymore since going switching over to solely using um, Retina display. Yeah. So that's that's a big one for me, and, and so I don't I don't plug it in that much. Like there's power cable going in, but because I'm just using the laptop as is, there's no external keyboard, there's no mouse. If I was going to do those things, I'd probably have Bluetooth anyway. So what do I plug in? Well, you know, once or twice a week I plug in an external hard drive. Um, Can't do that anymore. Well, I suppose the thing is, what you could do is get a hub. I was going to say, yeah. yeah the hub I, thing's if, if you've ever been a Mac user for long enough, then you'll know about DisplayPort. 
and then needing to actually have dongles for VGA and HDMI mm. and all the other little bits and pieces that you would come across going to conferences or going to different offices because you, if you wanted to share your screen, that's what you had. You had to carry around a bunch of dongles. So it makes that normal for you. That well, yeah, and look, there's a, so a couple of kind of examples of um, really good-looking dongles which basically have all the ports that you could possibly need, including Ethernet, um, uh, power, you can have multiple USBs, there's an SD card, there's HDMI. So I think with one of those, uh, that's the power of the whole Thunderbolt yeah. kind of platform. The, the thing that someone, I just actually just read a, a post before this at lunchtime, which was talking about moving to this standard actually means that you can actually have much higher powered devices running from via, via your Mac now. I think for watts or something like that was how much power you could get out via USB yeah. traditionally that's why you had these crappy little fans and those kind of little peripherals that didn't have any oomph technically now I think they've kind of quadrupled that okay. or I think even if you get something like 100 watts out of your Mac now um, via that so there's some really interesting stuff I've seen um, there's a company that does gaming PCs where they've actually bought out like a Thunderbolt based video card yeah, that okay. you plug in and then you using their platform, you can then route that into your normal laptop. So if you want to do some hardcore gaming, you just plug that thing in and yeah. then all of a sudden you've added another video card so you, know you can cool. run everything faster. You unplug it, now you've just got a normal portable laptop. Again, it comes to that modular stuff, doesn't it? And so I think maybe in the longer term, this is a really smart move from Apple, but my, definitely my first instance was oh my god you've just got rid of Everything. all the stuff I kind of need but then on reflection I don't probably need most of the things or uh, <laughs> some slight inconvenience stockpiling stuff and, and look I don't know anyone that's been using Apple long enough is used to dongles for various kind of situations yeah. and I actually think maybe this is the biggest this is the big money maker for Apple is dongle technology and peripherals <laughs> Because I'm sure these things cost about a buck to make. And, and they sell them for 100 they, Yeah, the prices they charge at the moment are just beyond ridiculous. So, But, yeah, that was it. Any other things on Mac or iPhones? No. Uh, I think nailed it. <laughs> they nailed it? Nailed yeah. it. Best iPhone ever. Yeah, I, I think you said looking back on other Apple products where people have been outraged it usually works out in the end and then years down the track you realise that okay I didn't need that like your <laughs> your DVD yeah. drive and yeah look and even with the like, I've done the switch to Bluetooth headphones and so the whole thing about no headphone port no headphone port yeah. it's like well I don't care yeah I do have a pair of really expensive Bose headphones. You can't use anymore. Well, you, I, I'll have a dongle. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you listening? <laughs> the Apple dongle. But um, maybe I could use that as an excuse to get the Bluetooth versions and um, spend yeah, more money. Spend more money. No, Yay. just use the Consumer dongle. Ma consumerism makes the yeah, world go around. Got to keep spending money, people. <laughs> keep the interest rates down yeah. or up, whatever they do. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. All right. Bye. Sign out.